Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. So, let me make a few comments about Mardi Gras. For some of you that might think, man, what are these kids going to get involved in? My wife and I were there last year with the students from SUM. We were going to go there again because we were so deeply touched and moved by the students. I was listening to your youth pastor, thinking of my youth pastor days, and he used some words that I used to tell our youth. If you figure out what God wants you to do, we will help you. And we invested in a lot of their lives. And I believe in investing in young people. When I get home or either if the brother can, can take it off my, my credit card, my wife and I, I'm going to pay for one of those students to go because I believe, I believe. believe in our kids. Part of the reasons why there's a picture that's coming up. This is my whole, my whole family. This is all 21 of us. My wife, myself, our two sons, my daughter-in-law, and our, our 13 grandkids. Now, no, Nick. Nick, I just want, just leave that up there, Nick. We, we're going to take a little detour. I have an incredible sermon to, to preach. It is so good. I have already written a check to myself. <laughs> After knowing about your transition, it made sense why Pastor Harvey had playing in his car when I got in this morning. I'm so excited. I just can't, I'm about to lose control, and I think I, he didn't have it in his car. He didn't have it in his car. <laughs> These are my babies. This is my entire family, the two sitting on the front, but there's a young lady with a red plaid shirt on, and the two, one boy on her left, one on her right. Those are our twins. And there's so many miracles up there. But the greatest miracle of all that sits up there is God coming into my life, sitting in a penitentiary in California when I was 19 years old doing a life sentence. And he saved me. He saved me because I had a father 
who would not give up on me. My dad came to visit me in the county jail. Him and mom divorced. I, I, I just got angry. I ain't blaming my mama. I ain't blaming my daddy. I don't blame anybody. I just became angry. I didn't like the way life was. I wanted it to change. It didn't change. I tried to change me, and it did, that did, none of it worked. My daddy came to the county jail. He looked, picked up that phone. He looked at me, and he said, son, we are in trouble. My grandpapa was the first African-American deputy sheriff in the county. My daddy had a well-known name. My cousin still holds the record for the most touchdowns in a football game in the county. I come from a good family. He says, we're in trouble. My daddy had never been arrested, never smoked, never drank. Just a good man. Him and mama divorced. He kept all six kids. Worked two jobs for 10 years to make sure we didn't go hungry make sure we had clothes on our back. My mother's mother moved in to help my father raise us. She said, I'll stay here until you either get married, these kids are all grown, and she kept her word. But he said, we're in trouble. I don't know what we're gonna do, but we're gonna make it. And I remember looking on the other side of that glass at my father, thinking to myself, what kind of a man is this? What kind of a man whose son would break their heart, would embarrass the family name. My grandfather came to the county jail and looked at me, and the only time ever his heart was broken, he died while I was in prison. I was allowed to go out to his funeral, and I stood over his casket, and I made him a promise. I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it. What I said was, but I'm going to make your name great again. I quit using that phrase because somebody else is using it now. And uh, I simply say, I told my daddy, I'm going to make your name good again. And he kept visiting me. For five years, my daddy kept visiting me and he kept praying. He didn't get blown away by my actions. Even when I told him, don't pray for me. He looked at me and said, son, you can stop me from doing a lot of things, but that's not one of them. man told him one time in the community, if Sammy was my boy, I'd pay him to stay away. My father's response to him was, but see, that's just it. He ain't your boy, he's mine. I didn't see this. I didn't see this when I was out partying and drugging and gangbanging and breaking people's hearts and breaking into people's homes. I didn't see this. I didn't see 43 years of marriage to one lady. I didn't think anybody could love me like that. I didn't see my oldest granddaughter going to Azusa Pacific University and graduating. I didn't see five other grandkids in college right now who make sure that their grandfather stays broke. <laughs> they have put on my phone a cash app. 
because they, they go to school in so many places and I have friends and I would, and they would call me and say they needed something. I'd call a friend and say, hey man, go to the college and give this to my granddaughter. I'll give this to, and, and finally they said, Papa, you don't have to do that. So why not? Well, there's this app. What's, what app? Okay, I know what the app is, but they have a cash app. I said, well, having coffee with one of them one morning. And so she put this app on. And so how does it work? She showed me how it worked. I said, well, I didn't see that. What did you just do? She said, well, I just, I just gave myself $25. <laughs> I said, I didn't see what you did. Show me again. <laughs> Duh. So she showed me again, and I lost another $25. <laughs> I still didn't understand it, but I said, I'm going to have somebody in my office show me what to do. It ain't going to cost me $25 every time they show me. I didn't see this. I didn't see this. I didn't see when I turned 60 and took all my family on a cruise down the Mexican Riviera. I didn't see that in that prison. I didn't see traveling overseas with my wife to Hong Kong and other places that we have been. I, I, I didn't see that. I didn't see my daddy sitting out in a congregation of people smiling and crying as his son walked across and got a bachelor's and a master's and, and then a doctorate degree. I didn't see that. I didn't see my grandmama sitting up in the stand smiling. My mama. My children. I didn't see a neighborhood impacted because my life was changed by a touch from Jesus. I was just trying to survive. You know what changed my life? A church. They wouldn't give up on me. The day I got out of church, I went to service that night. And I was sitting in this small little Pentecostal church where my daddy was a member and I saw somebody walk by and they went into a room and they had a cake and I said to the person sitting next to me whose birthday is it and they said well it's nobody's birthday and I said then why what are they doing with that cake and this was like in April they said well it's for you I said, my birthday's not in November. He said, oh, we know that. We're just going to have a celebration after church because we're just glad you're home. The church. The church. And when I got mad at God as I was trying to develop and grow and figure out all this stuff, the church was always there get home and order Dr. Marcus' book because I, I just like the byline trying to help young people in inner cities. The church. I don't, I don't really think the church understands or knows the power that it really has to impact somebody's life. So, so this first service, I've just come to tell you 
that whatever you buy this afternoon or what have you, it's an investment. We just bought one of our granddaughters a, a Mac computer. She just started college. And I said, it's not like we have a lot of money, but when I die, it's all theirs anyhow. I said, this is an investment. Do you know what an investment is, sweetie? So don't even try to answer me, I'm gonna tell you. You invest in something because you expect more back. I'm gonna give you this, but you're gonna give your, you're gonna give your grandpa more back. You understand, baby? Yes, Popo. Yes, Popo. And they come over and we laugh. And sometimes I just sit and look at them and cry. They don't know why and I don't try to explain it. But all those years of being a criminal, I didn't see this. When my sons walk in the house, they give their daddy a kiss on the cheek. They make sure every one of my grandchildren do that. They live so close to me that I have either walked or driven every one of my grandchildren to school numerous times. If you follow me on Facebook, I don't talk about political stuff. It's just pictures of me and my family. Because I want to make memories. They will tell you, why does your grandpa do all this stuff with you? He says, because we're making memories. My younger grandsons and my older grandson, they will tell you that my papa has told us that, 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 that we're not to shame his name because it's not ours, it's his. Because that's what my grandfather told me when I was 16. He said, change your name or change your character. I've been hearing some things about you. It's not your name, it's mine. And my mama came home from work. And I said, mama, I need to change my name. <laughs> and she said, why? I said, never mind the why. I just need to change my name. My grandpapa from Skokie, Oklahoma, had a little Native American inside of him, and he would go hog wild crazy on you for his name. And see this. And there's some things that you don't see. There's some of you this morning, you've got some family members. They're at the hotel being paid for by the state. And you can't see this. I'm telling you. My dad used to visit me in prison and he would say, son, when you get out of here, God's going to do this and you're going to be a great man. I mean, every time he would visit me. And finally one day, listen to it, I said, I get out, me and my daddy traveling together a little bit. Love being with my daddy. Once my head cleared up. I said, Daddy, when I was locked up, why did you always say that when I grow up, I was going to be a great man, God was going to use my life, blah, blah, blah. And my daddy looked at me and he kind of chuckled. He said, you don't know? I said, well, no. He said, boy, the rate you was going, I had nothing to lose. <laughs> the rate that person in your life is going, you have nothing to lose by speaking life over them. I've met with the president last December, the governor of our state gave me a full unconditional pardon. I ain't see that. I ain't seeing that. 
I didn't see being one of 21 individuals making decisions for 20,000 churches in North America, the Assemblies of God. I walk into the room and I just laugh. I'm the only ex-felon in the room. There's some others that should be, but anyway, I won't go there. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> the more I get to know him, Pastor Harvey, I realize I'm in the room. <laughs> I better be quiet. They might get this. Anyhow, he's been so good to me. But it was the church. It was those mothers who used to pray for me. Put their hands in the middle of my afro and now I barely got an F. <laughs> but I got, I, got, I got some white friends. They got one string of hair. And they can whip that. <laughs> and I just want to tell them, you ball. <laughs> Cut it. <laughs> and the Lord has helped me. I am not one of those young men who pulled himself up by his bootstraps. It was the church. If I had the time, I would show you pictures of the church. The church. It's not some figure of our imagination that kind of floats out there. You are the church. You have been empowered by the resurrected Christ. The Bible teaches that the same spirit that raised him from the dead, it now lives in us. And he allows us to now give his life to others. I told Pastor Harvey this morning, I leaned over and I said, I can't, I won't even say that I don't know another black pastor who's about to do what you're about to do. I said, I don't know another pastor. All of this, all you wonderful people. And he's willing to say yes to what God told him when he was 50. But it's, it's your fault because you have loved him and encouraged him to pursue his dreams way before this transitional period that's about to happen. So when I came here this morning, I realized I was really at church. When the sister came up here and she just let it out, I had to fight my own tears because I started thinking, I don't know what she's walking through. But here's a lady sitting up here leading us in worship. And I don't know her story, but when the other lady who was directing us started singing over here about healer. She just broke. You can't do that in church. You can only do that in church. I'm telling you, listen, we in a different house every Sunday. It does my heart well to be here. I, I, I rarely miss a worship service well, if I'm going to speak because of what happens during the worship service. Watching Pastor Harvey come up and say, we're going we're gonna to take a, we're going to do a little, something a little different. And then watching the pastor, soon to be a come up here and 
give a word from the Lord. See, a lot of places are so busy trying to get people in and out that they never have a chance to feel the presence of Jesus. I didn't see this. So one day they're going to bury me. Don't come to the graveyard. Don't put me down. Or whatever my wife has done to my body. She'll probably have me stuffed just so I can stick around with her for a long time. <laughs> and as they walk away, they're going to say, remember this. Remember this. Remember. Memories. Papa was preparing us for today. Every day I live, every day I live, I'm preparing for the last. I can tell you what people are going to say at my funeral by the way I treat them. I'm not going to have one of those funerals where people get up and they, they talk. And then people are sitting out there going, who are they talking about? <laughs> I don't, I was literally, my wife and I were at a funeral recently. And you know the opportunity where we give every, all, all of us black folks an opportunity to lie. And we say, you only got two minutes. <laughs> I don't know why we do that to ourselves. You see some of the most intelligent, ignorant people get up. Because all of a sudden they can't tell time. They make you think they're the only one to know the person. They go back almost when they were conceived and start telling them, nobody want to hear all that. Can you do one memory? Just one. When it came time for the family to get up and speak, not one family member got up. Am I telling the truth, honey? Not one family member got up. When it came time for church members to get up, there were different ones was getting up and they were talking about this person. And then I was walking out, I was walking by the daughter of the lady and the daughter looked at me and says, you know, I was listening to what the church members were saying and, all I could, and it was her mother. And she says, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know that lady. That's what the daughter said. I don't live that kind of life. I treat everybody I try to meet good and right because of them. Because if you meet my grandchildren and they need something and they tell you who their grandfather is or was, I want you to say, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? They won't even know why, but you will. As you journey through life, there are a lot of things you can't see. Marcus, he didn't see this. And his wife, she sure enough didn't see this. And she stood at that altar and looked into his handsome eyes and said, I do. They weren't thinking about this. They didn't realize why they were saying, I do, that Pastor Harvey had planned. <laughs> But if y'all love them right, my wife and I only pastored one church. My boy, they didn't always agree, we didn't always agree, but they loved and they respected me. 
They love my children. And my kids got more gifts. I mean, literally, and I would tell my children these words. You know why these people are doing this for you? No, Daddy, why? I said, because of me and your mama. They said, what do you mean? I said, you don't know Jesus like that. <laughs> you don't know a, a, a used car Jesus. I know that Jesus. When they were small, I used to tell them, when you pray tonight, when you go to bed, say, Jesus, help me be like my daddy. They said, why? I said, because you don't know him, but you know me. I'm going to be your example of just dance. You'll tell that to your children. It'll help you live right. It'll help you not say what you want to say. And when you say what you don't want to say, it'll help you to apologize. Because one day you're going to cross your legs and your son going to sit beside you and cross his legs just like you. There's a lot of things you don't see. Oh, I could tell you about my son. Had major surgery. He had his brain open for about five hours. I could tell you about my granddaughter was born in biblical cord wrapped around her neck, and we didn't know what was going to happen. I can tell you. I can tell you. My grandson had an inoperable tumor, and all the miracles. I didn't see that either. Let me tell you what I did see. On a hill far away. Stood an old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame. I saw that. I saw my sins being forgiven. I saw that. I experienced the peace that surpasses all human understanding. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes. Because my daddy and the church wouldn't quit praying for me. I saw myself walk out of prison. I saw myself get married, but I didn't see 43 years later. Saw myself raising a family. I didn't see 13 grandkids. Saw myself wanting to quit, but she wouldn't let me. The church wouldn't let me. And when I needed financial help, I didn't go to the bank. I had literally rich men say, we will help you who didn't. But you know who did? Church. The church. Mothers would come up and still, they'd only, this time they was rubbing my bald head. And they'd say, I'm so proud of you, Sammy, here. We, we just love you here. We, we believe in you here. And of course, there was another group that didn't think I lived to be 21. But when they saw the picture of me and the president, Ronald Reagan, saw me and the president, then they start saying, we knew you was going to be good. <laughs> we just, I saw my Sunday school teacher who never gave up on me. She told me one day, you was always good. <laughs> and I said, that's the same thing I told the judge. 
I said, you don't believe me? Ask Miss Harding. She'll tell you I'm a good boy. I, I just, you know, put a little deviation here. My prayer for you is that as you become more and more church, and as young people who come here, that probably unchurched, but as they try to grow and develop and be all God wants them to be, that you'll believe in them, that you'll invest in them, that you will speak life over them, maybe in a way no one did for you. But that doesn't mean you can't do it for someone else. Mr. Walter, I just, I, you're a gift to our fellowship. You, you, you folk don't get to see him in the hallways and making decisions and going to the microphone. He stood up this morning, looked at my wife, and said, that's a bad coat. The brother needs to gain some weight, get another one, and give it to me. <laughs> that is, and he wears it so well. I mean, he's so, you know. If I, if I was in the church I grew up in, I said, dang, look at that Negro. <laughs> but I ain't in that church, so I'm assuming it's a God now, so I have to say, look at, look at that African-American brother. <laughs> I want to pray for you. I'll, I'll probably say something different, but I was just moved this morning. The Apostle Paul, whenever he would go to a place for the first time, he would just say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And then he would just share his little testimony. This is not my testimony. It's his. It's hers. It's the church's. And every morning I wake up, I just, I give God all the glory. I should have been dead a long time ago. I've been stabbed and run over by car. I, I, I've been through all kind of craziness. But it's grace. That's what your pastor said this morning. Grace. It's all about his grace. So for those of you this morning, you, you have a loved one that uh, is testing your last nerve. I, I want to pray for that person this morning. Maybe it's your spouse. For those of you that life looks a little foggy right now, I'm going to pray that God will do this and maybe even show you this. For the one that may be sitting here this morning, you don't even know why you came in. But as I was talking, you got it. You can walk out of here now, but you got the message. You got it. I want to pray that you'll keep it. I told a loved one one day, why don't you give your life to Jesus? And he said, when I'm able to quit everything, I'll give my life to Jesus. And my response was, if you could do that, you would not need Jesus. You would be Jesus. I said, why don't you just, I said, what about if you just came to Jesus? And said, Jesus, I want to start a journey with you. And my relative here says that I don't have to quit smoking or drinking. I don't do any of that. He said, if I just give my life to you, you'll take away everything that I need to give up. And you put something else in its place. That's what journeying with Jesus is. If you could give up all that stuff, you wouldn't need Jesus. You wouldn't need the power of the Holy Ghost to change your life. So I just want to pray for you and give it to your pastor. Father, it's your grace. It's your grace that has allowed me to stand up here this morning. 
before my brothers and my sisters to talk about the goodness of God. It's your grace that has given me the family that I have. All 13 of my grandbabies and my children's spouses. It's your grace that has brought us through the storms and will take us through others. It's your grace that has given me a wife that loves me in spite of myself. It's your grace that gave me a father who wouldn't give up on me. It's your grace that put me in church, that loved me and, and helped me. And in fact, Lord, they didn't try to preach or scare the hell out of me. They just loved it out of me. So I pray this morning for that one in this place who has a loved one that's seeing life from the other side of the bars and has broke their heart numerous times. In fact, they broke their heart so many times, Lord God, they, they don't think it can be broken anymore. I pray that you would do for that person that's locked up what you did for me. I wasn't looking for you, but you came anyway because the church wouldn't shut up. I pray for that one that needs healing in their body. I pray for that one, Lord God, that has a marriage that's on the brink of separation. And I pray for those this morning that need to they, 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 need, they just need you to breathe on them. Pray for the transition this church is about to go through. I thank you for the privilege of having been here this morning and just stood before these wonderful people and received a wave of your presence in my own life. Thank you for this day. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.